0: what is up all of my beautiful freaking people welcome back to another episode of fml talk today we are diving in to trauma betrayal and how to recover from it all so sit back grab a drink maybe your self-love journal and welcome to fml talk oh my god
1: Wait, how old
0: was the other girl? 19, can you
2: believe
0: that? Hey, this is Gabrielle Stone. Good <laughs> book? <sighs> he did what? 48 hours? What dick. Yeah, but have you seen all the photos on our Instagram? And this is FML Talk.
1: Oh no, she didn't.
0: So I want to preface this with a trigger warning. We are going to be talking a lot about abuse, mental, emotional, financial, some physical, trauma recovery, and it's we, we dig into all the topics, so I want to forewarn everybody that there is a trigger warning on this episode. I am going to be joined by Jane, just Jane. She uses a pseudonym, and she's one of the amazing women at Betrayal Trauma Recovery. They are an organization, they do a podcast, they have online content, and an incredible support group and community for people recovering from abuse. I cannot wait for you guys to hear this episode and all of the insight that Jane has to share with us. So let's dive right in. Jane, welcome to FML Talk. I am so thrilled to have you here. How are you? Great, so happy to be here. I cannot wait to dive into all this stuff. All of the content you put out is really, really powerful. So can you kind of give us a little bit of just background on yourself of how you came to really doing this type of work?
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%. So my career has just been in writing. Um, But then when I had when I came to like my own personal, everyone has that moment when you realize I am being abused, you know, and it's just this powerful, all encompassing situation. And I feel like a lot of survivors of domestic abuse or infidelity or, you know, and and at BTR, we consider infidelity, severe emotional abuse, um, realize, you know, I can either just bury this or I can talk about it. And for me, writing is how I you know, get my voice out there. And so um I started writing for BTR and then it's kind of moved into more content creation of, you know, different mediums. So video, podcasts, interviews, things like that. So that's how we kind of got here. And I'm so passionate about it. You know, so many women are suffering so much, but don't wanna but don't, aren't quite sure what's happening. And I think that's kind of the nature of this kind of really covert abuse that's happening all over the place.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. Like right off the bat, I was like ready to go into, you know, some of the topics we're going to discuss, but you said something that pulled me um, that you consider infidelity to be severe emotional abuse. Can you kind of expand on that a little bit? Because that's shockingly enough, even though I've been through it, the first time I've heard it put that way. Yeah,
1: yeah. so, um, you know, when you enter into a long-term relationship, whether it's marriage or just a partnership, there's this, Im- obviously honestly, like, you know, an explicit, usually you make promises, whether they're over the altar or a legal agreement, you know, if it's just like a courthouse, you make promises of fidelity if it's a monogamous partnership, right? And so you, it's a legal contract, you know, like you're with me, I'm with you, and fidelity is expected. And so, when one partner decides to suddenly change the the rules and, you know pull the rug out from the other person, um, what's happened is taking away a partner's ability to trust without their consent that is going to cause severe emotional damage and outside of a marriage context you know if a friend were to do that if you had a best friend and all of a sudden that friend does something to severely break your trust we would all call that emotional abuse but for some reason when Mm -hmm. it's in a marriage everyone wants to blame the victim like well what did you do you weren't meeting your partner's needs you weren't doing enough so let's see both sides of the story when in reality there was an agreement there if that person wasn't happy it was their job to say I want to do this differently i want to change what was originally agreed upon because you know i'm not blank you know whatever it is and so you know what happens is these we call it betrayal trauma because these victims end up a lot of times you know there's so much that happens in infidelity there's lying there's gaslighting there's financial abuse because affairs are expensive you know and so this victim has suffered all of these abuses but then the victim i'm going to say she because A lot of you know this is probably a female audience and a lot of yes yes you know btr a lot of us a lot of them identify as women so you know she has this situation where everyone clergy if she's religious um, therapists friends are all saying well what haven't you done you know what what haven't you given and you wouldn't say that to someone in a friendship or in a business situation right you would be like oh my gosh cut this person out of your life i'm so sorry this happened to you right and so it's like this the the initial trauma of being betrayed by the one person that you should always be able to count on. And then secondary trauma of everyone that should be supporting you blaming you.
0: Yeah. Oh, my God, that it makes so much sense. And when I went through my marriage and the infidelity and the divorce, it was never explained to me like that. Um, no one in my life ever asked, you know, what did you do? It, it wasn't, there was never any victim blaming, but I've gotten that a lot on my viral videos on TikTok. All the triggered men like to be like, well, you must've not been sucking dick enough, or maybe you guys weren't having sex enough, or maybe you weren't making him enough sandwiches, <laughs> like ridiculous stuff that like people like to chirp off about on TikTok. Um, but does pe- do people ever push back on saying like, well, that's not real abuse all the time.
1: Yeah. People, I think that that's my number one, like hate message that I get is stop making a mountain out of a molehill. You are hurting real victims by calling all of this abuse. I get that all the time. And what's frustrating to me is that what that does is it puts victims um, of emotional and psychological abuse in a place where they're not going to reach out for help until they're being battered you know, because they feel like right. they can't leave a relation. A lot of women feel like they can't leave a relationship unless they've been cheated on, you know, serial cheated on, you know, many, many times they're left by the by their partner or they're being hit, you know? And, and so mm-hmm. to change that narrative from abuse isn't only being beaten or punched in the face, you know, abuse is is, you know, is being emotionally harmed or physically harmed or sexually harmed or whatever when a person is aware that they're doing it. You know, and cheating one hundred percent falls under that umbrella, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so so when people say things like, Well, you know, what you're doing is you're taking away attention from real victims. No, we're just widening the umbrella so that it encompasses all victims so that all women know, no, you're being abused and when you're being abused, you need to get to safety right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we did an episode Uh, in our previous season with a really good friend of mine, Carly Craig, it was a two-part episode because there was so much to dig into, where she wasn't married, but she was with her partner for four-plus years, and they were living together, and he was completely, like, had another relationship going on on the side and was having, like, unprotected sex with this other person and was still, you know, lying to her, gaslighting her to the point where... Now you know, she's had to recover from all of this once it finally all came to light. And she's like, I don't even trust people when they tell me they're going to the grocery store anymore. Like the psychological abuse that I've had to undo on my brain and the trauma that I've had to undo on my brain is a very real thing. And so many people were looking at her right when it happened before she came forward with the whole story. And they were like, it's just a breakup. Like, why are you so fucked up about it? And she's like, no, 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 it's not just a breakup. Like I was in a narcissistic, abusive relationship and this person damaged my brain. Mm-hmm. And it's a very real thing. And I feel like it doesn't necessarily, no, not necessarily, that's the wrong word. It doesn't take away from any other type of abuse that people experience, but it's definitely needs to be recognized as a form of it. So I'm so glad that you guys are doing that work over there to widen that that scope. Yeah,
1: 100%, I agree. You know, so many times um, we get comments from women who say things like, I don't know if it's abuse, you know, or messages or whatever where they're like, I don't know if I'm being abused. I just know that I feel crazy. And if you dig a little bit, you'll often find that there is a lot of sexual coercion happening, you know, a lot of pushing and pushing and pushing for her to have sex or her feeling like she, yes. you know, like like she needs to in order to keep her husband or her partner faithful, which is, which is abusive. I mean, that it having sex without giving consent, that that is sexual coercion, you know?
0: Yeah. And, and I think, too, it's not even like having sex without giving consent. It's having sex when you're pressured into it to the point where you're just like, fuck, fine, okay, because it's like going to be easier if I just do it. I went through that a lot in my marriage. It was always like, we're not having enough sex. We're not having enough sex. I want sex this way. I want more this. And it... I didn't realize until I got into my current relationship that there was so much trauma around that that I didn't realize that I had to undo. Like I would go up to my current partner and be like, "Okay, should we like should we go have sex? We haven't had sex in three days." And he was like, "No, it's we're fine." Like what? But it was I was so conditioned into being like he needs it, you know, X amount of times, or he's gonna cheat, or he's gonna leave me, um, and it really it made me enjoy sex a lot less and i kind of had to rediscover what it meant to like have pleasurable sex that was not under a pressured situation
1: yeah yeah i mean there's this big movement to redefine consent as an enthusiastic ongoing yes you know that's continuously given throughout the experience and i think that's really powerful
0: summer is here and life is not slowing down for us anytime soon one of the things we have continuously relied on making our lives so much easier is Factor meals. No prep, no mess, no cleanup meals. I have really been off the wagon with my eating since having my son, and for my health, my wellness, and my mental sanity, I have been switching my dinners to more healthy options from Factor. They have 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, so I never get bored. And Tay is continuously shocked every time he sits down to eat one because they are so freaking tasty. They have breakfast, lunches, dinners, and desserts, it's a treat to have restaurant-quality food that is so easy to prepare and doesn't come with the insane Postmates bill. Head to Factormeals.com slash FMLTalk50 and use code FMLTalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code FMLTalk50 at Factormeals.com slash FMLTalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active enjoy fmlers and
1: it's interesting because there's just to see how ingrained the misogyny is in our community in our community in our society um you know men just they, they push back on that constantly you know and it's like it's so ridiculous it's like what's so what's so wrong with a woman being, being given a voice, you know, so like you said, you get these comments, it just makes me sick. What didn't you do? What didn't you give, you know? And, and when we talk about abuse on like TikTok or Instagram or whatever, we will get comments like that that are like, well, she deserved it because, or you deserved it, or, you know, women who are commenting on this deserve it because they're not doing enough blank. And whether it's about sexual coercion or about physical abuse or about gaslighting or emotional abuse, it's crazy. I'm like, it's these these scripts are so ingrained and these men aren't willing to challenge that at all because they feel entitled to women's bodies sexually, but in every other right. way, too. And it's kind of scary. But, I, you know, I do feel like women are becoming more empowered to say no. And I like that your partner is like, you know, your new relationship is is changing that for you, you know.
0: Yeah, I think more and more men are starting to get on board with that kind of movement mm-hmm. um, because there are so many good men in the world. Like, we just, you know, seem to attract, especially with this, the content that you and I talk about, um, we attract the shitty ones. Yeah, I that, know, the like, algorithm come out of like, the woodwork. And I'm
1: like, why does the algorithm always find the jerk? Right. You know, like, I want right. to find the
0: it's one. like it'll like push people to either the the great pages that people are going to really like connect and follow and like make it go viral and all of the assholes that will be triggered by it like there's no in between <laughs> yeah i
1: know it's so funny i'm like this is definitely giving me like more trust issues but that's right right subject
0: So we've talked a lot about narcissists and gaslighting on this show, but not for quite a while. So can you give me a a kind of rundown for people that are newer to um, how to kind of look for gaslighting and what really that is and what it looks like?
1: Sure, so, you know, gaslighting has been one of those terms that just keeps coming up. A lot of people talk about like the government gaslighting us or, you know, the celebrity is gaslighting everyone. And it's hard to understand what that actually means. a lot of times, people say the intent of gaslighting is to make you feel crazy, and that's that's not exactly correct. The intent of gaslighting is to avoid accountability, and if and mm-hmm. if making you feel crazy helps, good. You know, the, they don't care. That's kind of like collateral damage in the you know in the process, but it's. It's an abuser avoiding accountability at whatever cost that means. So a conversation where you're being gaslit, you know, a a very common one is an abuser says something, you repeat back what they said to them and they say, I never said that. And so you are Mm. gonna feel crazy in that moment, um, especially if you've had a long relationship with this person and trust has been established and you're like, you know, what's going on? Did I really hear that wrong, you know? What's, you know, what's going on here. So you are going to feel crazy, but what they're doing is they're avoiding accountability at your expense. Does that make sense? And so, yeah, you know, a absolutely. lot of times I feel like women are like, I don't know if I'm being gaslit because I don't think he wants me to feel crazy. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how he feels about your emotions. It matters that he's covering his own tracks. Right. Yeah. And so it's not just, it's not just lying because narcissists will lie about they like it. I don't know if they can, who knows if they can even help themselves. You know, they lie about everything, but it's a, it's a lie told to avoid being accountable for something that they did that they usually know would have hurt you. And so, you know, ways to know that you're being gaslit. Like the first one is, is very simple. If you feel crazy, if you question, am I crazy? I feel crazy. If you're calling your friend or your sister and you're like, am I crazy? You know, you're probably being gaslit. Just, yeah, you know, um, if you find yourself talking in circles with this person, if you're like, I, I, really have a distinct memory of this, but now I'm feeling like, like, and and they're able to kind of talk you out of it, you're probably being gaslit. Um, we have on our TikTok, you know, I have so many, like, it's like a full sixty seconds of gaslighting phrases that never happened. Oh, nice. You're just like your mom. You know, they'll bring up things like, um, just out of the blue, like. Your fa- your family's history of mental illness, or the fact that the fact that your mom's pretty forgetful, and it's like planting these little seeds of like your memory really isn't that reliable, or you're really not that smart. Right. And what that does, like even if there's no incident attached to it, but what it does is it kind of takes away from your own self ability to your own ability to have credibility in yourself, so that when an incident does come up, you know if you if you find a you know if, if his phone dings and you happen to look over and it's a text from a, from some girl you don't know, and you're like, well you know that you'll doubt yourself before you question him
0: yeah okay so for example for everybody because everybody that's listening to this has read my book so they know my story when I found my ex-husband's phone in a sock drawer picked it up and a contact lit up like a message from someone that had a girl's name in it with a heart in the contact Mm -hmm. name and I I looked at him and was like What is this? And he came over, snatched the phone out of my hand, walked into our bathroom, locked the door for 45 seconds, came back out, handed me a phone, and was like, here, it's not even working. Go ahead and look through it. And when I opened the phone, there was nothing there. Little did I know I had found his second phone. He had gone in, swapped it, and brought me his, like, main original phone. And he was like, there's no contact name in there. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. You're fucking crazy. Like, literally, that prime example of then me standing there and being like, am I crazy? No. I mean, I picked up the phone. I saw the girl's name. I saw the red heart. Like, that did really just happen. I feel like my ex-husband at the time was, like, at the beginning of his narcissistic sociopathic journey <laughs> and looking back on it I can see ways that he was trying to um you know gain financial control of me and like make me stop doing certain things and mold me in a certain way I was just not the one like he needed to find someone else to to do that to mm-hmm. but it was a prime example of of how that can start to happen in a relationship and it's terrifying it's
1: it's so terrifying i mean the really malicious abusers have the intent of truly making you feel crazy. So, like, we have women in our community who are like, you know, I'll put the keys down. He'll take them and he'll hide them. And then I'll go and look for the keys and he'll be like, I don't know where you put them. I didn't touch them. You know, like like, like, truly sociopathic, this guy is a psycho killer kind of behaviors, right? Right. But but generally, they're trying to hide something. They're trying to avoid accountability. You know, they just don't – they're man children. Like, they're just – little babies who don't want to, don't want to have the responsibility of being in an adult relationship where when you do something wrong, yeah. you own it, you know? And so they'll do yeah. these crazy stuff, like going in the bathroom, swapping phones, and then having the audacity to make you believe or try to make you believe that you imagined this girl's name on his phone. I mean, that's like, that's right. so narcissistic that he thought he had the capacity to make you think you imagine i mean what like you dreamt it (laughs) like what are they right like i
0: just blacked out for 2.5 seconds and like it just like appeared um and i want to be clear that i know that you and i are talking now um about men doing this but there are women that are narcissists out there and that are capable of this we're just talking in a more generalized sense for the sake of this conversation because this show is predominantly listened to by women but i want to be clear that you know you and i both know that it's not a gender thing um so a Aside from gaslighting, what are the other kind of lesser known abuse tactics that people use, that people can be aware of and wary uh, in relationships? So
1: financial abuse is a huge one. Um, we have so many. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because when you think of financial abuse, you think of like, you know, the Christian housewife who never leaves, who doesn't have an education, who has, you know, her allowance, like Handmaid's Tale style. And, and we do see a lot of that in our community. But we also see successful, you know, breadwinners who are you know ceos of of huge corporations who are who have zero control over their own finances because their husbands are you know gambling all the money away um keep all the credit cards in the wife's name even though they're the ones racking up debt but have her paycheck Mm -hmm. transferred to his account you know just crazy stuff like this but they're always able to find some way to make it seem like she's not responsible, she's not capable. He'll take care of it, and and you know it's it's said in these very covert ways. Like you're so busy, let me take care of the finances. You know, let let me let me step it up to let me step up to the plate, and I'll take care of the money. I, sometimes it's very overt. It's like no, you don't get the money. You're the woman. I'm it, misogynistic, patriarchal. You know, and, and it's not necessarily right. in religious families either. This is this is across the board. So we see a lot of financial abuse. Um, men sabotaging or I guess I should say abusive people sabotaging their own careers or sabotaging their partner's careers so that, you yes. know, so that it's just this constant chaos, you know, of, yeah, of financial, stress all the time. He's like, why would you, why would you be so dumb? Like this hurts both of us. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's what, that's what I experienced. My, my ex was never okay with my career. Anytime I went away to shoot a film, it was like, I was on the phone with him crying. It was like a mess. And he would say, you know, cause I, I was starting my career as an actress at the time and so like sometimes you're working a lot and sometimes you're not working for four months so like it's either like you've got a good amount of money coming in or you have no money coming in and there were times where he'd be like you know I can take care of everything and I'll pay for all of the bills but you have to like you know give up acting and just you know be a stay-at-home housewife Mm. and at the time I was like that's fucking weird like why would you ever suggest that you want me to give up on my dreams like i don't understand and now looking back at it with some perspective i'm like oh that was the beginning of him to try and financially control me so that when i did want to be like fuck you i'm leaving i couldn't like because he had all the the control over the money yes
1: yeah i mean it always comes down to power and control 100 percent
0: um, that's terrifying. It is.
1: It's very terrifying. It's really sad because you think you're going into this relationship where it's about mutuality and partnership and working together. And, and for them, it's not power. Patricia Evans talks about this in her book, the verbally abusive relationship, which we love at BTR, but she talks about how, you know, healthy people have a power with dynamic, you know, together we'll do this with each other, but abusive people have a power over as long as they feel like they have power mm. over you. They feel like their relationship is working and and that's just how they think. And you you can't change that. There's no amount of sex or love or money or, you know, you could give into every one of their demands. It wouldn't change that. They want power over you and that's just how they think. And, you know, and we like so many, so many women ask like, I just want to understand how he thinks and I'm like you you can't. It's like trying to learn an alien language that that you you can't learn because your brain doesn't work that way and that's a that's a really good thing.
0: Right. You're like you don't want to yeah. and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So if someone finds themselves in an abusive relationship um that's not necessarily like they're being physically assaulted, how do they how can they find the courage or know that it's okay for them to leave that situation?
1: yeah that it's a hard one because i feel like societally we feel like we have to get to a certain level of pain before we're justified to be able to leave it's like is it bad enough yet is it bad enough yet and a lot of times i get women saying things like i wish she would just blank so i could leave i wish she would just hit me I wish she would just close off the bank account i wish she would just you know whatever and it's like soul crushing to hear that because it's like i wish the harm to me would be justifiable enough. And we've learned that what is actually needed is you need to love yourself so much that any mistreatment is intolerable. You know, So it doesn't, whether it qualifies as abuse or not, I just, let's just throw that out the window. Create boundaries that aren't, I don't tolerate this, I don't tolerate that, but a, a life that is healthy. So I only allow people in my life who treat me with respect. I only spend my time around people who who love me and show me that they love me. Right. And I understand that, you know, this is coming. I'm, I'm white. (laughs) I grew up in a middle-class home. So I know that not everyone has the capacity to choose who they're around. And I, and I definitely don't want to, don't want to, um, I don't want to be so naive that I don't, that I don't acknowledge that. Right. But as much as you're able to practice self-care, practice compassion, invest time in yourself so that you get to a point where you love yourself so much that it just doesn't make sense to be around someone who is treating you like that
0: rather than,
1: you know, seeing it this way. That's like, it just, I just need to get to this next step, this next rung on the ladder of mistreatment so that I can leave. Because, you know, honestly, when women do that, it's never enough you know, he'll, he'll cheat or he'll, it's like, well, but if he has one more affair, if he, you know, he hits you, but, but if he, but if he puts me in the hospital, you know, and it just, it just escalates and escalates. And and that doesn't usually get women out, what gets women out is loving themselves.
0: Yeah, and you're right when you say society has kind of like conditioned people to be like, well, it has to be to a certain point. Um, my mom, this was years and years ago, had a boyfriend for a couple of years, and he had moved into her house and was uh, had his like main room in a separate room from her bedroom, and they were really happy for you know a year and a half, and then things started to take a turn, and he became very verbally abusive to her. And she called the police and she's like, I I need to get this person out of my house. I don't feel safe. And the police literally were like, get him to hit you. We we can't get him out of your house. He's there paying rent unless he physically assaults you. Like there's nothing we can do, Mm -hmm. which is so fucking horrible to say that to a person who's like, I'm reaching out to help. So I've like, Or for help I'm reaching out for help I've gotten the balls to do that I'm telling you I don't feel safe in this situation and I'm asking for assistance but like you're saying sorry we can't do that unless he like full-on threatens your life in a physical way yeah
1: it's the the law the court system all of it is is so jacked up I mean so many women go to file restraining orders or protective orders and it's funny because it's protective you would think that it's going to protect you from future action. But a lot of times you you won't be granted one unless something has already happened, you know, and it's ridiculous. Yeah. And so, it. it but, but I think that, you know, as much as you can understanding that emotional and psychological abuse always precede physical battering. It doesn't mean that you're always going to be physically abused, but physical abuse never just happens out of nowhere. It always, ha- there's always emotional and psychological abuse first. So if you're already being yeah. emotionally and psychologically abused, you know, you you are far more likely to be physically abused as well. So if that's happening, you gotta get to safety. You know, and you know, and I, yeah. I know how hard that is. We all know how hard that is. But you know, whether or not the the police are starting to understand more about coercive control and you know and this kind of abuse, I, I do think that that's starting to happen. But you know, finding support from domestic violence shelters that are starting to understand, you know non-physical forms of violence and communities like ours and other communities where this kind of these kinds of victims are supported like that's out there because i think that abusers oftentimes will convince victims that that they need to isolate themselves because no one's going to believe them and you know just pour shame over them so that they feel very isolated from the world you know and so reaching out for support and help i think is pivotal
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You mentioned earlier setting boundaries. Can you talk to everybody a little bit about how to really understand the boundary setting and to help or how they can help establish um, safety from abusive relationships that we find ourselves in? Yeah.
1: So, you know, boundaries are one of those things, too, that just... I, I constantly see like posts on instagram about them, and it's it's kind of frustrating because a lot of times people have the best intentions when they're setting boundaries but it's so hard to understand um a boundary isn't a statement it's not you you know it's not you can't yell at me because that's controlling somebody else's behavior and it, and it just doesn't work i mean if you have tried that with a toddler <laughs> it doesn't work right it's not a, it's not an ultimatum either it's not saying if you do this again i'm leaving ultimatums have their place but that's not a boundary a boundary is what you do or what you believe. It's, it's courageous actions and beliefs that you have that help to separate you from abusive and harmful behaviors. So an example of a boundary, kind of what I said earlier, I only surround myself with people who treat me with respect. So then you would, you would be able to, to determine like what doesn't work in my life with that and then take the steps to get there. Um so so an mm-hmm. example of something, you know, we hear so in our community there's there's a lot of infidelity. So, you know, we'll hear a woman say, well, I set a boundary that he can't talk to his affair partner. It's like that's that's not a boundary because you're not you're still setting up the possibility of you being harmed. He can still talk to her. You know, you're just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. And we don't care what he does. He's gonna do what he's gonna do. Like that's People are going to do, and they're allowed to, like, that's their right. They can do whatever they want to do. Boundaries are about you. They're about you having the space to be your authentic, incredible self. And so, you know, you need to be able to determine what your value system is and then create, you know, kind of a protective fence around that. What, What is going to help you to live your authentic life? And what is keeping you from doing that? If it's keeping you from doing that, then find ways to separate yourself from it.
0: So would you say for that specific example, like you're, you can't say you can't talk to your affair partner. That's not a boundary. Would it be if you talk to your affair partner again, I'm going to remove myself from this relationship? I think that, so that would be an
1: ultimatum. So instead it would be, you talked, you had an affair, you talked to her recently. I'm going to live with my mom and you know, for the next six months, if during that time you have not talked to her, I will reconsider being in this relationship but I right Mm. now I need space from you because I can't be I can't be around someone in an intimate situation living with them if I can't trust them so that's what I'm going to
0: do oh that's so tough for me because you know even in my relationship now which is like very healthy we have what we call certain boundaries that's like you know I don't want you to um, get overly intoxicated, like because it may it triggers me, it gets me uncomfortable. Like that is like a a, a line that like I really don't want to cross. And because he loves me and doesn't want me to be uncomfortable and that he respects that boundary. But that the way that you're explaining it sounds like an ultimatum. So how would you well, kind of decipher well, that? I-
1: it's different because you know if he if he's respecting that it's one thing if but if he you're not waiting for the shoe to drop right because because there's trust established so these boundaries more the way that i'm describing them apply more in a situation where trust has been broken but you know what you're describing really are just kind of like you know rules in a relationship it's like you know i
0: right right
1: i don't know i mean anything like i i want to sleep on this side of the bed okay You know, I don't want you to get overly intoxicated. Yeah, like standards and
0: like, right, right. Do you mesh with
1: me? Okay, perfect. I mesh with you. Great. You know, and so I, you know, yes, those are boundaries, but they're also just kind of like values. Like, this is what I need to feel safe. Are you willing to do that? Yes. You know, and if he did get overly intoxicated, um, knowing that that makes you uncomfortable, knowing that that bothers you, rather than saying, look, if you do that again, I'm moving out, you know, you have the information you need, like. And I, you know, I'm not saying he's going to do that, but just in this example, you would, you would know, like, he knew that that was going to make me uncomfortable. He did it anyway. So then you have a choice, right? Either you wait for it to happen again, or you say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to need a little bit of time because you knew that would yeah. make me uncomfortable. You did it anyway. So I'm going to go off. I'm going to, I'm going to spend some time by myself to figure out if I want to be in this relationship or not, because I, I don't know if I want to yeah. be with somebody who doesn't follow through on their word. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. And we talk about all the time. It's like enforcing the boundary when, when it's crossed or when it's violated. Like if, if there's no enforcement, then people are going to be like, okay, well, it doesn't really mean anything.
1: Right. Right, Exactly. And yeah. And I've heard that, you know, the, the more times that you forgive, the more times that you go back, it's just kind of really reinforcing that, that you don't respect yourself. And so really what it comes down to is just, you know, if, if, a lot of times what I say to women is if you love this person deeply and you really want to make it work with them, do it from a safe distance. Observe, you know, if they, if, and if they're going to show up for you in a healthy way, they're gonna make good decisions regardless of whether you live together, you know, whether you're spending time together, if they have, if they have, you know, cheated on you, if they've been abusive to you, they obviously have a lot of work to do. So get to a safe distance where you're not being abused and then let them work it out. But if you don't love this person, if if it's if you're staying because you feel obligated to, you know, you have some choices to make here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Can you talk to me a little bit about BTR and like what it is and explain it to everybody and what you guys really do? Yeah.
1: So, Anne, she's the one who does the podcast that we have. Um, She started BTR several years ago when she was her husband, her ex husband had just been arrested for domestic violence, and she was a a mess. (laughs) Like her earliest podcast episodes, she's like crying into the microphone. You can hear her like crunching porn in the background. Yeah, she was just a total, (laughs) total mess. Like I don't even, I don't know how she did it, but she just, she had this vision for women who were just like steeped in trauma to be able to have online support. And this was before the pandemic, obviously. So, like having, you know, trauma centric support groups, but just really wasn't, wasn't something that was common at the time. And so she kind of like patched together BTR, which has, we have a daily online support group. We have the podcast, and then we have um, all, everyone who works at BTR actually has survived domestic abuse. And so um, mm-hmm. we have a bunch of coaches who are really incredible. And so it's just kind of this educational, supportive uh, organization for victims of infidelity, um, betrayal, narcissistic abuse, emotional abuse. And, you know, we try to get out as much free content as we can, because we know that not everyone, um, has the ability to join a support group or get coaching. And so, so I do a lot of the free content and then, and is the podcast, which is also free content. Um, and we just offer as many services as we can to help women who are in covert, you know, abusive situations.
0: Oh, my God, that's amazing. Can you drop the name of the podcast and where if people want to become part of the community where they can find you yeah. and get all of the the amazing stuff you guys For are For sure, out? yeah.
1: So the podcast is the Betrayal Trauma Recovery Podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, and then if you go to our website, it's btr.org, and you'll find everything there. We're on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, just btr.org, I think, is our handle on everything. So you can find us there. We have daily content. We put out videos Usually it's like right after I've worked out. So I am like a sweaty mess in all of them, but <sighs> I, you know, but honestly that's when I do my best thinking. So I'm like, Oh, this is good. So I hope that that's, I don't know. I hope it doesn't offend too many people that I'm like <laughs> in every video, but you know what? <laughs> um, yeah. And so if you're interested in joining our community you can always, everything is there on the website. You can email us. My email is Jane at btr.org. I'm happy to answer any questions anyone has. So yeah, that's what we offer
0: amazing and once people are out of the the situations and have removed themselves from the abuse what is what is the things that you have found most helpful on the road to recovery for people
1: yeah yeah i mean it's it's really hard because when you're be- when you're in that relationship you're managing the abuser you know and and you're trying so hard to establish safety with someone who refuses to give it to you. So it's like your whole life is wrapped around this person who has kind of forced himself to be at the center of your universe. And so it's just gone and you're like, what do I do, you know? And in that time, the things that are super important are self-care. And I'm not just talking like, you know, the fun self-care, like bubble baths and manicures. Like those things are so awesome. But I'm talking like nutrition, just trying to eat as often as your body permits, because trauma can make it super hard to eat, you know, eating, staying hydrated, sleeping, um, walking, stretching, breathing, just taking care of your body because trauma is it's in our bodies, you know. Um, So self-care, 100 percent, finding a support network which can be really hard post COVID with all of this, but there's so many, like your podcast is incredible. Your content is great. You know, there's so much online support. Yeah. And I think that that can really help people who don't have, you know, family nearby or, or, you know, actual physical friendships. So finding support is, is super important. And then just taking, taking the time to invest in you in finding in rediscovering the ability to feel joy again, you know? And and I think that slow, slow steps. If you can't feel it, like for a long time, I couldn't like taste chocolate. Like it was really weird, but like I would try to eat it. Oh, that's
0: devastating. Yeah,
1: it was devastating. I was like, I hate him. Like I can't taste chocolate. And it was so frustrating because I was like, I felt like life had lost its meaning kind of, you know,
0: right. You're like, now I'm just having the calories and not even any of the fucking pay off,
1: but like it took time and eventually I could taste it again. And it was like this glorious experience. And I was like, this is such a good life lesson. Just keep trying, keep putting the time in. And eventually it just, it slowly comes back. So I think just a lot of compassion for yourself, a lot of patience. And you know, and it comes back.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say and giving yourself grace during all of those steps because so many of us me especially want to be like, okay, I'm out of the relationship, I've done the divorce, and now I want to be fixed and healed, so like, let's fucking do it. And it doesn't always come right away, and you have to give yourself grace during that healing period.
1: Yes, 100%. Yeah, I mean, just cuz you can't see the scars. You can't uh, many women haven't been battered to the point that they're never going to, you know, we don't we don't have broken Bones. We don't look all that different, but but the trauma that's left from gaslighting, infidelity, it is deep, and it takes a while to start feeling good again. You know, it just does. Yeah. So that's yeah.
0: Yeah, perfect. absolutely. Oh my God, Jane, this has been so wonderful. Can you one more time drop the Instagram handle for BTR so people can come explore your guys's community? Yeah, definitely.
1: Betrayal trauma recovery on Instagram
0: amazing thank you so much for being here and sharing all your knowledge i really appreciate it thanks for having me oh i want to thank jane so much for all of that incredible insight i hope that you guys if you are in need of abuse recovery mental physical emotional any of it you go check out betrayal trauma recovery and see if they have anything that can assist you on your healing journey and make sure you are giving yourself enough of that self-love All right, we are going to take a turn now and check out one of your FML stories. Here we go.
2: Hey, Gabrielle. My name's Lindsay, and here's my FML story. When I was 19, I got an awesome job in accounting shortly after I graduated college. I worked in a small office with just myself and another lady. So naturally, with spending so much time together, we became super close. We were practically inseparable for the better part of four years. Like her kids were part of my wedding. In 2013, the place we were working for did some reorganization and she ended up leaving. Fast forward a couple months, I start to notice some weird money situations. I dig into it a little further to notice that there's actually money missing. Like bank deposits were dropped off at our office, but never actually made it into the bank account. So I had to report it to my boss. Of course, not mentioning anything to my friend because it looked awfully fishy. Upon further investigation, it turned out that the woman I thought was my best friend was just using naive 19-year-old me to gain access to my username and password for our system so she could embezzle money. Talk about awkward and heartbreaking. My employer had to write me up because I shared information I shouldn't have shared. I had to be questioned by the police to make sure I had nothing to do with the fraud and theft, which I 100% didn't know anything about. It all resulted in finding out she had stole over $134,000, having to go through the long, drawn-out court process, and her doing about a year in jail. Needless to say, we aren't friends anymore. There's definitely more to the story, but that's the cliff notes. Fuck my life, am I right? Thanks for listening.
0: Oh my God. I can't imagine going through that at 19. Like I was so not even a fully formed human at 19. Um, that's fucking insane, dude. Um, I mean, first red flag to of this woman to like befriend you in such a best friend way when you were that young, I would say, um, but that's a lot of fucking money to be stealing from a company, dude. Wow. Um, And I'm so sorry that you had to be written up for coming forward and telling the truth about it. That is freaking wild, girl. And I am glad to hear that you are not friends with her and cut that shit off. As always, make sure you guys are subscribed so you never miss an episode. Keep up with us on Instagram at FML Talk Podcast. If you want to watch the episodes live in studio, you can go to youtube.com slash FML Talk. And as always, have a self-love cocktail on me.
2: Cheers.